like to ask you to turn with me to our text for this morning, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, that's on page 930 and 31 of your pew Bibles if you're following along there. And this is part of the Apostle Paul's summary of his teaching on the Lord's Supper, which might seem like kind of an odd text uh, for Thanksgiving, but I think it'll become apparent why we're here. So 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, and this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, a few years ago, back in the days when I was still at least somewhat active on social media, I was scrolling through Facebook and a post from one of my friends caught my eye. Uh, She was lamenting the fact that yet again, the Christmas season was starting even earlier that year, and as a result, threatening to overshadow Thanksgiving. Above a picture of candy canes, she asked the question, what happened to celebrating Thanksgiving? Below, one of her other friends came to Christmas's rescue. Uh, He responded and said, Thanksgiving is just a day. Christmas is a whole season. I've been playing Christmas music for a month already. His point was that Christmas needs more time to celebrate it, a whole season, in fact. And truth be told, there's something to that. After all, we have four weeks of Advent in the Christian liturgical calendar, right? Four weeks to prepare, four weeks to get ready for and lead up to and build up to Christmas. Because we do need some time to get ready for Christmas. We really do need a whole season to, pre- to prepare for it, to prepare for the, the meaning, the power, and the significance of Christ's birth. And yet, while I might have agreed with my friend's friend about Christmas, I disagreed with him about Thanksgiving. That's because while, we might, while he might have been right that Christmas requires a bit of time to prepare for it, he was wrong when he said that Thanksgiving was just a day. You see, Thanksgiving isn't just a day. It's actually a way of life. A few years ago, I read a wonderful little book called 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. Uh, in the book, Voskamp details how she came to the realization that in ingratitude, unthankfulness was ruining her life. She says she doesn't know how she got there, but one day she realized that she just wasn't a very thankful person. Rather than living a life of thanksgiving, she was instead living a life of worry, anxiety, and dissatisfaction. Blinded by the many concerns around her in her life, she couldn't see what she had to be thankful for. And she said that it had become more than she could bear. And so she started on a journey. She started on a journey to discover gratitude. She wanted to do more than just live, more than just exist, more than just get from one day to the next in a disappointing life. Instead, she wanted to appreciate life. And the way to get there, she realized, was through thanksgiving. There's a word about that in the New Testament. It's the word eucharisteo. 
In the Greek, eucharisteo means give thanks or thanksgiving. And it's actually the word that the Apostle Paul uses to describe Jesus here in our passage this morning. In verses 23 and 24, Paul writes, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, when he had eucharisteoed, that's the word there, at the meal we now know as the Lord's Supper, Christ gave thanks. He eucharisteoed. In fact, as some of you have already probably guessed, that's why that's one of the names we use to refer to the Lord's Supper. We call the Lord's Supper the Eucharist because that's what it is. It is, in its essence, a Thanksgiving meal. That word eucharisteo is interesting. Uh, truth be told, it's freighted with meaning. That's because, like we said, uh, eucharisteo means thanksgiving, but it's also closely related to a few other Greek words. For instance, right in the middle of eucharisteo is the Greek word charis, eucharisteo. And what does charis mean? Charis is the Greek word for grace. Grace is a word we're pretty familiar with as Christians. If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard that word over and over and over. And because of that, it's one of those words that's kind of easy for us to breeze by. What is grace? What well, its simplest grace is a gift. It's free. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. That's grace. And that's why we use that word to describe the gifts, the blessings that God gives to us. Because that's what he does. He gives us his grace. He gives us his gifts. Whether we deserve them or not, he gives us blessing after blessing after blessing in our lives. It's all the things that we don't even always think about, right? Things like food to eat, water to drink, air to breathe, clothes to wear, walls and a roof to shelter us, relationships, work, school, and all the rest. That's God's grace. That's his free, unmerited giving towards us. We haven't earned it, we don't deserve it, and yet he gives it to us anyway. And so right at the heart of thanksgiving, right in the middle of it, is grace. Because that's what thanksgiving really is. It's recognizing God's grace to us and giving thanks for it. But there's another word related to all this. That's because closely related to charis is another Greek word, kara. And kara means joy. So there is grace in thanksgiving, but there is also joy. Voskamp comes up with a little equation for that that she sketches out in her book. She says all these words are related to each other because when we recognize God's grace, his charis in our lives, it leads to thanksgiving, eucharisteo, which results in joy, kara. God's grace leads to our thanksgiving, which results in joy. In other words, as Voskamp discovered, the road to joy in our lives runs through thanksgiving because that's what helps us recognize what we have to be thankful for, all of God's grace around us. And that's what we see actually in our passage this morning too. Again, recounting Jesus' last supper with his disciples, the apostle Paul writes, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A couple of things are important here. 
First is when Paul says that Jesus gives thanks. Paul tells us that Jesus gave thanks on the night he was betrayed, right? And Jesus knew that. He knew what night that was. He knew that that was the night he was going to be betrayed, arrested, and then eventually tortured and killed. And yet on that night, he gave thanks. Which leads to the second thing we need to notice here, which is what Jesus gave thanks for. He gives thanks for the bread here, right? What do we believe that bread symbolizes as Christians? It's his body, which is about to be broken. And so Jesus actually gives thanks for his suffering here, which he's about to endure. He gives thanks for his sacrifice. He gives thanks for his death. Why? Why would somebody give thanks for that? Well, Jesus gives thanks for that because he recognizes already here on the night of his arrest that somehow, someway, everything that's about to happen to him is his father's grace. Somehow, someway, through his suffering and death, his father is going to bring healing to the world. And so Jesus breaks the bread, he lifts the cup, he gives thanks, and he recognizes the joy that will come through it. The joy of salvation. Grace leads to thanksgiving, which results in joy. In order to receive that joy, that salvation though, we too must engage in thanksgiving in Eucharisteo. We too must recognize God's grace. Voskamp in her book highlights the story of the 10 lepers in Luke 17 to illustrate that. We looked at that story a few months ago when we worked our way through the entire gospel of Luke. But just to refresh our memories, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem in that passage and he's traveling along the Samaritan-Galilee border. As he's about to enter a town there, 10 lepers come to meet him and they stand at a distance calling out to him, asking him to have pity on them. Jesus responds by telling them to go show themselves to the priests. So off they go. But on their way, they realize that they've been healed. They've been cleansed of their leprosy. Nine of the ten of them stick to that mission of finding the priests, but one of them, a Samaritan, seeing that he's been healed, goes back to Jesus. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanks him. And Jesus' response to him is interesting. Jesus says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now what's interesting about that is that this leper has already been made well, right? In fact, that's the whole reason why he's come back to Jesus, to thank him for that. So why is Jesus telling him that his faith has made him well? Well, in the Greek, Jesus' response actually means something closer to rise and go, your faith has saved you. And that's key. Because it turns out we're not talking about the leprosy anymore. That had already been healed. That had been dealt with. Instead, what we're talking about here is salvation. This former leper, in coming back to Jesus, has received more than just healing from a skin disease. He's actually received salvation. And he's received salvation, the text says, because he gave thanks. Why? Why does this leper's thanksgiving lead to salvation? Because in it, In his healing and his thanksgiving, he has recognized that God is the one who has done that for him. It's an act of faith. 
You see, when we thank God for his gifts, his blessings, his grace, it means that we recognize, we are acknowledging that they come from him. After all, it's one thing to experience God's blessings, right? People do that all the time. Like we said, it's, it's the normal stuff of life. Water, food, clothes, shelter. That's all God's grace to us. They're all his gifts. They're all his blessings. And everyone experiences them. But not everyone acknowledges them. Not everyone gives thanks for them. And so that's where this equation changes, where it moves from just experiencing God's blessings to actually an act of faith by which we receive salvation. Giving thanks for God's blessings means that we are taking the time to recognize him in those blessings. We are taking the time to acknowledge him. We are taking the time to confess that he is the one giving them to us, that he is giving us his grace. And my friends, such thanksgiving really does lead to joy. It leads to joy in our God, joy in his gifts, and joy in the salvation that he has offered us through his son, Jesus Christ. The salvation that we ourselves have received. So that's why thanksgiving isn't just a day or a time of year. It's not just a holiday or something that we do the last Thursday of November. Instead, Thanksgiving is a way of life, an ongoing way of life. It's a way of life that acknowledges God's innumerable graces to us, his gifts, his blessings, and then gives thanks for them, helping us to taste the joy of his salvation in the process. At least that's what Voskamp discovered in her journey towards gratitude. After realizing that she wasn't living a thankful life, she decided to start keeping a list. A list of all of the blessings that she saw from God in her life. For one year, she decided she would count God's blessings. And so one after another, she wrote them down in a notebook, big and small. Everything that she recognized as coming from God. Still warm cookies, she wrote. Mama delivering chicken soup to the back door, forgiveness of a sister, and so on and so forth, all the way to a thousand. And then once she got to a thousand, she just kept going. And through that experiment of thanksgiving, she started to see more of God's grace in her life. She started to slow down and recognize it as coming from Him. And she started to experience more joy. And in the process, she came alive in a new way to the salvation offered to her through God's son, Jesus Christ. As Voskamp puts it in the book, when we're thirsty, it doesn't help to talk about it. It doesn't help to be, read books about drinking water. Instead, at some point, we just need to do it. We need to find a glass, fill it, and drink it down. And it's the same with thanksgiving. We can talk about it, we can read books about it, but at some point, we need to actually start doing it. And so that's my challenge for us this morning. Make Thanksgiving not just a day, but a way of life. Let's look for God's grace, his gifts in our lives, and thank him for it. Follow Voskamp's example, if you like, and write them down, or simply pray your thankfulness to God. But whatever it is, make it stick. Make it a way of life and taste God's grace, his joy, and his salvation this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me?
Lord, you fill our lives with gifts. And again, we don't deserve them. We haven't done anything to earn them. They are all your grace. We have set aside this day as a special day to recognize that grace and give you thanks for it. But Lord, may it not just be a day. Make us thankful people who live lives of thanksgiving. Help us to live it as a way of life.